started. So we're going to be continuing that topic from last night. And the truth is that it would be nice if we could have a better understanding of Brera. But like I said, it's just really not the, the proper um, format in which we can go through what the topic is. But um, just to explain a little bit better than I did last night. So what, what we're dealing with is like this, is that if you have to have a definition of an item on a specific point in time, uh, sort of like what your desire was at a certain point in time, your desire later is not going to redefine what your desire was earlier. That would be the concept of Ein Brera, that your choice later is not going to retroactively affect the reality earlier in terms of your choice earlier when you had no thought earlier about what you wanted. Yeshbreira um, means that the fact that you had the thought later, that's already able to have an effect retroactively on what was initial circumstances. Okay, so yesterday what we got up to is on 37A, and we are up to, we're up to Rameir, okay, so what we were up to is we were trying to figure out what the opinion of, um, of Rameir was, right, so what we said at the end of the day yesterday, let me just go back for a moment, just to remember which, which Tana took which position. So our Mishnah said that there is no such thing as, um, Rebbe says, if one of them is a Rebbe, you go that direction. If both of them are a Rebbe, then you go to the place you want. Rebbe Yehuda basically took the position that, um, that there is Brera. So then we said that Ayay, who was a Tana and had a Brisa, he believed that Rabbi Yehuda said that there is no Brera, right? So he said that Ayaya Brisa went one way and the Mishnah went another way in terms of what the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda was, right? So the Gemara says, Gemara says, should, should we take the opinion of Ayaya as being primary, the Brisa, or should we take the, the statement in our Mishnah that Rabbi Yehuda does hold of, of, um, of Brera as being primary? So Rabbi Yechanan says, um, says, why do we want to go with the opinion of the Brisa over the Mishnah, right? So the Gemara says, no, we did not want, we, the reason why we did not want to go with the opinion of the Brisa, of the Mishnah over the Brisa is because we have two different places in which Rabbi Yehuda clearly does not hold of Brera. So if in our Mishnah, Rabbi Yehuda does hold of Brera, that must be the mistaken version and the other two places must be correct. Why? So we said over that last story, the, the story of where the individual is trying to take the it's trying to take a section of wine from a barrel and he basically has not yet taken the proper tithes. And what he says is that the proper tithes will be taken in the future. And therefore I'm already allowed to take some wine right now because it's considered as if it's already been taken. Well, the problem is that you didn't take it yet. So you should not be permitted to drink any wine until you actually remove some of the wine for the, for the requisite measure of tithes. So Reb Meir says you're allowed to drink it. Reb Yehuda says you're not allowed to. Reb Yehuda, Reb Yehuda, Reb Shimon all say you're not allowed to drink it. So that's one more place where you see that Reb Yehuda is of the opinion that ain't Brera. There's no such thing as Brera. What your decision is going to be later in time is not going to affect retroactively what happened earlier. Okay, so we're up to the fourth line, last word on the line of 37a. Ula Amar, So Ula indeed turns it around. And Ula says that, Aye is disproved from our Mishnah. In other words, he would rather go with the Mishnah and not with Ayah. Well, we just said that we have two different places in which Rabbi Yehuda seems to indicate he does not hold a Brera. And the second case was from this case that we just mentioned right now about the wine barrel, that he does not permit you to drink from it. So we see in two different places Rabbi Yehuda does not hold a Brera. Why would you take the Mishnah, which is only one place, and uphold it against the other two places where he does not hold a Brera? 
So Ula, Zuzi, Zuzi, Kitani. So Ula read it, read the, he had a different version of this Brisa. The version that we have in front of us states that Rabbi Yehuda is on the side who says forbidden. But Ula actually read it, Divri Rameir U Rabbi Yehuda, that it is permitted. In other words, this will be another indicator that Rabbi Yehuda does hold of Brera. Rabbi Yehuda, Shimon, Rabbi Yehuda, Shimon, say that it is not permitted to, to do it. So if you hold that, that Rabbi Yehuda indeed is on the side of Rameir, then you're great. Because that you're golden. That's exactly like our Mishnah. Rabbi Huda does hold up Brera. The Gemara continues to analyze this. Raisa. Does Rabbi Yasi say there's no such thing as Brera? That retroactively that you cannot apply your later thoughts? Uh, Tanan, we learned in the Mishnah, right? Where do we see that? Because we just got finished saying that Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Meir say Brera in the case of the wine barrel. And Rabbi Yasi and Rabbi Shimon say Aim Brera. Is that indeed true? That is Rabbi Yasi's position that there's no Brera? Uh, Tanan, we learned in the Mishnah. You have two different women who brought their their kinim, right? Kinim are nests of birds, right? So for different types of um, different types of uh, offerings that women have to bring after giving birth to children, they have to bring two offerings. They have to bring an oila offering and a um, and uh, I forget right right now. I'm forgetting what the what the other one is called. But there's two different birds that they have to bring, right? For two different types of offerings, okay? So they're allowed to bring these two nests as an Eruv. In other words, mix it together, right? So you have two women. They both are obligated to bring it. And they're going to bring... One second. That's what it is. Rashi explains. You, you have to bring two Eilo offerings. Eilo offerings get burned totally. And you have to bring two Chathas um, offerings, right? Which do not get fully burned, okay? Now... These two women all together are going to bring four birds, and they're not defining beforehand which bird is for which woman and which bird is for which offering. Okay, so they bring these four birds in tandem, and then they, or they give the value of the of the bird um, sacrifices to the kayan, right? Now, the Kayin could do whatever he wants with these offerings. He could bring this bird and say that this bird was meant to be for woman A for her Ayla, and this bird was meant to be for woman B for her Ayla, and this for Chathas, that for Chathas. He could choose whatever he wants, right? So what do we see from here? Rabbi Yaisi says over there that that's okay. What's the indication, right? The indication is that Rabbi Yaisi clearly holds a Brera. Now, how is this related to Brera? So let's see. Let's see what's going on over here. So the Gemara thinks is like this right now. The Gemara thinks is an interesting dynamic, and the Gemara is going to fall away from this for, for the, the obvious answer. But what the Gemara thinks right now is like this. You have these two women. Let's call them Rachel and Leah. So Rachel and Leah come, and they have to bring these four birds in total. So really what they're saying is, I want one of these specific birds to be my Chathas offering bird. And I want one of these specific birds to be my Eilu offering. And the other one's saying the same thing. I just haven't decided yet which one it is. When the Kayin decides which one it is, retroactively, that will be the one that I brought with the intention of designating it as that specific offering. Okay? So if that is so, Rabbi Yaisi says it works. So we see that Rabbi Yaisi holds to the concept of Brera. Amar Rabba. Rabba would respond. The case of Adir, it was not a standard case where they just, all of a sudden it would, it, all of a sudden it would just be a, you know, a situation where it could be redefined later as to what they really intended earlier. No, what happened over here was they actually specified. These two women came together with the four birds and they told the guy, listen, we do not care which bird goes for my offering, which bird goes for her offering, which bird, which bird goes for the Chathas offering, which bird goes for the Olo offering. We don't care. 
And so once they specify that, that they don't care and it's all good, then the Kayan can do whatever he wants. There's no, there's no contradiction over there. The Gemara says the obvious then, one second, if that's true that they actually stipulated beforehand that it doesn't make a difference and the Kayan gets to choose, my Lememra, then what's the whole Chiddush? What are we trying to teach you in this whole Mishnah? It's not teaching you anything, anything novel. Of course that's true. If they stipulated the Kayan could do whatever he wants, why wouldn't he be able to do that? The Mishnah is kind of teach you, like the opinion of Chizda. The Amr of Chizda, Chizda says, right? Kinan cannot be misparshes, cannot be determined, you know, which one is designated for which offering. The time when you do that is that Rashi explains that either that at the time that these birds are purchased, at that moment, the, the woman says, or the, or the husband or a man says, they have to say, this bird I'm buying for a ola, this bird I'm buying for a chatas, or or with when the kayin brings it as an offering, right? So what we're coming to teach you is, Right, so, so, so Rav Chizda actually says it doesn't work, right? So that's Rav Chizda's opinion. The Mishnah is coming to say, not like Rav Chizda, right? Not that the Mishnah, it's anachronistic, Rav Chizda is an Amira, but the Mishnah is coming to say, not like the opinion which Rav Chizda is known as the author of, right? which clearly was already a thought even then, right? So if you say that the, the decision as to which bird is being brought for which individual, and which bird is being brought out, which type of sacrifice has to be determined from the beginning of the process, then you're going to have to rely on Brera. Right? But if you don't say that it has to be decided at the beginning, from the original point in time, then it can be decided as a stipulation, and the client can be the one to make the choice. Now the Gemara goes to a different place. It says, one second, is that true? Rabbi doesn't hold the Brera. But Tanya, we learned in Ebraisa, you have an Amar, someone who is not careful with the laws of tithing. As we mentioned in the past, they were careful with the Truma Gedayla, Right, the truma that goes to the kain that they were careful with, but the other ones they weren't so familiar with, and they were not always careful. We were concerned or suspicious that perhaps they wouldn't do a proper job. So he tells a chaber, a chaber is someone who lives their life and they are very careful with all of those laws. He tells the chaber, he says, "You're going to the shop, you're going to the marketplace. Buy me another bundle of vegetables, or one um a challah roll, basically, right?" So, um. Uh, yeah, I know it's basically like a challah roll. Um, sounds a lot like gluten. I wonder if there's a connection there. Um, so, buy me this thing. Ain't it the 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 chaber is buying vegetables for himself. He's also buying vegetables or a loaf of bread for the amaaretz. Who are they buying this from? He's buying it from another amaaretz. Now, the halacha is like this. If you buy something from an amaaretz, you have to take the the um, the trumas and maestras on a rabbinic level out of a concern that perhaps he hadn't done it properly. This is called the Mai. Now, if he buys it for the, for the Amaaretz, if at the time that he purchased it, he bought it for either him or the Amaaretz, right? And so at that point, they both belong to him. And then he just hands it, one of them over to the Amaaretz. He actually has to take off the tithes before he gives it to the Amaaretz. And that's based on the principle that if you have a chaver who's selling an item to an Amaaretz, since he should assume that the Amaaretz is not going to take the tithes, he has to take up the tithes himself. So if he would purchase it from an Amaaretz who does not know the law, he would have to take it off if he actually owns it. He would have to take off the requisite Shumas and Maestros before he gives it on to the Amaaretz. Now, the Allah is he does not have to take it off. That's the opinion of Rabbi say he does have to take it off. If Rabbi says he doesn't have to take it off, how could he say that? The Gemara says like this, it must be a case like this. It must be a case where the Chaver goes to buy food from the Amaaretz. 
And he says, I need two bundles of vegetables. He does not differentiate or delineate which bundle is for him, which bundle is for the Amaretz, right? So they both belong to him. And now he's going to pass it along to the Amaretz for his obligation, right? So if that is so, that he's passing along to the Amaretz. So at that point, it belongs to him. He's giving to the Amaretz. Why did Rabbi Yassi say you don't have to take off Meiser? If it really belonged to him, you would have to take off Meiser. Amara says it must be Rabbi Yassi holds a Brera. And since he holds a Brera, it's true that at the time that he purchases it, it's an indeterminate who it belongs to. But when he later on takes one of these bundles and gives it to the Amaretz, he is now defined using the principle of Brera as to which one initially he was purchasing for the Amaretz. And it never belonged to him at all. If it never belongs to me, he has no obligation to take Meiser. Gemara says, Eipach. You have to switch around the opinions. In other words, Rabbi Yaisi would say, you have to take Meiser, because Rabbi says, Eim Breira. The Chachamim would say, you don't have to take Meiser, because the Chachamim say, Yesh Breira. Tashlamah. Come on here, proof. If someone says, I, the Meiser, the Meiser that is in my house, what type of Meiser are we referring to here? Are we referring to Meiser... Meiser Rishon or Meiser Sheni? I think we're I think we're probably referring to Meiser Sheni, which you have to take up to Yerushalayim. But let's read a little further and see. Yeah, it's Meiser Sheni. Okay, Mecholol, they should be redeemed. I'll sell Ashetala biyadim in a kiss. I have a wallet, and in the wallet I have some money. The the food that I am I have to bring to Yerushalayim to eat in Yerushalayim. I don't want to carry it to Yerushalayim. It's too far. So I'm going to redeem its value onto money. Now, which money am I going to redeem its value onto? The first coin that I lift when I put my hand into my pocket. Rabbi Yesi says it is, it is indeed a good redemption. Now, at the time that you said, I want to redeem it onto money, you did not yet determine which coin is going to come up into your hand. So the Gemara thinks to say, well, how could it possibly be that without determining which coin is going to be in your hand, you already determined that it's going to go into a coin? You have to specify which coin it is. So it must be Rabbi Yesi holds Yesh Breira. And even though at the time that you specified, you didn't actually specify a specific coin. All you did is you said the first coin that comes up in my hand is going to be the one that will be the coin that is consecrated, that the Meister Shani is consecrated onto. When the first coin comes up in your hand, retroactively, the Brera works to redefine that coin as from the beginning been decided as that being the coin. Once again, we see Rabbi Yassi holds a Brera. Eipach, once again, we have to switch it around and say that Rabbi Yassi would say that it is not a good uh, process of redemption, of, um, of um, deconsecration onto the coin. And the Chama would say it is. So you have to say that Rabbi Yesi would say, it is not going to be properly redeemed. The Gemara now asks, The Gemara says, one second. We have three different opinions of Rabbi Yesi and three different prices. One related to the barrel of wine. One related to the, the Chavar who's buying food from an Amaretz on behalf of an Amaretz. And one related to redeeming Meisr Shani. One of these cases we have as the read being, that he holds Aim Brera. The other two, the read initially was that he holds Yesh Brera. When you switched around the two opinions of Rabbi Yesi for the one opinion in the other place, why don't you switch around the one opinion in the Brisa about the wine and keep the opinion straight in the other two places? You have to say that the, the last Brisa that we just read right now is clearly a, a little bit of a corrupted Brisa. And clearly it was, it was a, a little bit messed up and it definitely is meant to be flipped around. Why do we have to say that? Diktani Seifak is in the last part of the Brisa. What does it say? Rabbi Yaisi agrees that if you say, the Maisa that I have in my house, right? He says that if you say that the, the Maisa Shani that in your house should be redeemed onto the 
the new Sela that I have in my pocket or my wallet, right? So then, Shechilo, then indeed it becomes redeemed. So, Midik Amar Hacha Shechilo, over here it says he agrees that it will become redeemed. The implication is, Michal the Hasum Lechilo, implication is that in the first case of the Mishnah, of the Brisa, he clearly held it does not become redeemed. So, we see that Rabbi clearly holds it does not become redeemed because in Brera. So, the Gemara now asks the obvious question well, what indeed is the second case of this Brisa that it works? I Salachadasha. Hey, Ridami, what's the case of the Salachadasha that it does work? Right? In the second case, he says it does work. It seems like the same exact case, really. What changed? I understand. If there's two or three salas in that in the wallet, then you just basically said another case of Brera. So what changed from the first case to the second case? In the first case, he argues. In the second case, he agrees. That's exactly the first case. It must be that there was only one coin in his pocket, in his wallet. I'm sorry. So therefore, when he says it's going to be on that one coin, it's very good. He knew exactly what the coin was. That's going to work according to everybody. You don't need Brera for that. Mara then asks, why does it say Tala? My Tala. What do you mean? The one that will come up in my hand? You only have one in your wallet. Of course, only one's going to come up in your hand. Implication of using the word Tala, that the one will come up first, is that there are other possibilities. There's no other possibility here. Since in the beginning part of the rice, we use the language of the one that will be raised up shall become the one that is consecrated for the holy objects of the Miser. So use the same language in the end of the Brisa, but in truth, it wasn't really the proper word. It's not as precise in the end of the Brisa. There's only one point. Okay, good. So we see from that, the end of that Brisa, Rabiesi clearly holds Ein Brera. So now we have two places where Rabiesi indicates Ein Brera, one place where he indicated Yesh Brera. We may as well switch the only, pl- the, the one that is the, doesn't fit the pattern, we'll switch the opinions. Who is the Tana who says that even by Dine Drabanan, Right? Laws that are only rabbinic enactments, that there's no law, there's no Allah of Brera. The Tanya, we went to Raisa. Hamisha, someone says to five different people, I'm making a Erev on Erev Shabbos. And this Erev is going to be an Erev Tuchumen, right? The Erev that will extend your boundaries, but only for one of you five. And I'm going to decide tomorrow who it's going to be. If, he, if, if I want him to go, then he'll be able to go, right? So, if he makes his decision before Shabbos, which individual is the one who the Erev is going to work for? Great. If he makes the decision after Shabbos has began, then the Erev does not work. Because at the time when the Erev has to come into effect, twilight, we don't know which individual he had in mind. He only, he only really settled after Shabbos began. Right? What do we see from here? We see from here that Eim Breira. Because if Yesh Breira, then it should work. Because the whole Tchumen is only Jarabanan. Right? So then why can't the Erev work if it's only a Darabanan question? If you hold that Yesh Breira by Darabanan, then the Breira should work, even if it's already Shabbos. To redefine it, that retroactively will look at it as if that was the one that he had in mind initially. He didn't give him an answer. He was not able to say, right? He was not able to say what you do with this proof. Why didn't he just tell him that the Tana who says this is the Tana of, of Ayay, right? Because Ayay, we know, said explicitly that according to Yehuda, there's no Breira by an Erev, even though it's only Darabonah. So what's the big deal? Which Tana is it? We know which Tana it is. We already have a, an, an author of this, you know, an author who we know held this position. He had not heard of Ayay's halacha. Rav Yosef said, Tanai shakalta mi'alma. Right, you're just taking out all the tanayim from the world. Tanayhi is really machlekes tanayim. 
Why? The Tanya will learn to write. Somebody says, I want to make an error for all the Shabbosim of the entire year. If I want to go in this direction, then I'm going to go in this direction. If I don't want to go in this direction, then I'm not going to go into this direction, right? So essentially what he wants to do is he wants to say, I want this to be my Erev Tchumen. And it's 2,000 Amas away from the city to the, to the west. And if I want to travel to the west on any given Shabbos, I'm going to use that Erev. If I determine I don't want to travel to the west and instead I want to travel to the east, I'm going to say the Erev is not my real space, right? And since it's not my real space, then I'm good to go to the, to the east. If he makes this decision while it is still daytime, Eruv Eruv, it's a good Eruv. If he waits till after dark to make this decision, Eruv Shimon says it's going to be a good Eruv. Chacham say it is not a good Eruv. So here we see clearly is about a question related to a rabbinic law about Eruv Tchumen and whether or not do we say Breira or not. Whether or not this this idea of saying I'm not sure when it's going to take a, I'm not sure if I'm going to want it like this or want it like that. Unless he decides before Shabbos, it's not a good Erev. Well, that's because you say Ein Breira. If you say it's a good Erev, even though he didn't decide at Erev Shabbos, well, his, the thought process really has to be in place uh, during, excuse me, during twilight for the Erev to be effective. So how can this Erev possibly be effective? Well, the answer is if you hold the Yesh Breira, then it can still be effective, even though he didn't have the active thought when Shabbos began. Since later on, he developed that thought, that itself helps create the, the thought of, um, of it being a, a proper area of whether or not he was going to want it when Shabbos began. Okay. What do you mean? We already know about Roshim's opinion in the previous, in the Bryce that we learned on at the end of, um, at the end of yesterday's daf, the Bryce about the wine, the barrel from, uh, from the non-Jews, right? And we said over there that Roshim is on the side of not, not holding a Brera. But over here, it seems to be on the side of holding a Brera. Kasha de Roshim and Adar It's a question of Roshim and Adar so you're going to have to switch again, switch the opinions. Say the Rav Shimon is the one who said that the Erev is not a good Erev, and the Chama are the one who said that the Erev is a good Erev, even if you did not have in mind being a Shmash is what your plan was. You say Brera. My Kasha, but the Gemara says, what kind of question is this anyways? Maybe Rav Shimon only didn't hold a Brera by the case of the barrel of wine, because that was Brera that was relevant to a Deiraisa issue, a Torah issue of whether or not it's a proper Trumas or Maestros have been tied properly. But over here, it's only a rabbinic issue. So maybe Rav Shimon argues by the barrel of wine that it's not Brera, but, but over here, maybe he could agree that it's Brera, even without having to switch their opinions. The Rav Shimon holds that Tchumim is the Rabbanan in this rendition. Rav Shimon would have to hold that Tchumim is the Rabbanan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. At the very least, that Tchumim of the 2000 Amas is the Rabbanan, right? Yeah. Almost yeah. everybody holds that Tchumim of 2000 Amas is the Rabbanan. Uh, Tchumim yeah. of uh, 12 mil is a little more complicated in terms of who holds what. But yeah. Okay. So the Gemara says, Rav Yasef was actually of the opinion. Rav Yasef the Amira took the stance that if you hold a Brera, you don't make any differentiation between the Arisa and the Rabbanon. If you hold a Brera, whether it's the Arisa, whether it's the Rabbanon, you hold a Brera. If you don't hold a Brera, whether it's the Arisa, whether it's the Rabbanon, you don't hold a Brera. Um, it's like, relation of the Arisa relation the Rabbanon, And the one who does not hold the Brera, whether it's the Arisa, whether it's the Rabbanon, he does not change his opinion. So it's all a question of, is it, do you hold a Brera? Then you always hold a Brera. If you don't hold a Brera, you always don't hold a Brera. Rabbi says, Shani Hassan the Be'inan, Rishas, the reason why in the in the case of the truma, it's not really related to the entire Brera. You really misunderstood because it's not related to Brera at all. The, the halacha is that by truma, the rashis, the part that you are giving to the kayin, has to be that the shira are nikarin. That when you 
take off your Trumas Amaisar, there's something left behind. It cannot be that by default, the only thing left is the Truma and Meiser. So the reason why it didn't work over there to take a, a you know a, a, a bunch of the wine and say, well, whatever is left over is going to end up being my Truma, my Meiser, my Truma, my Meiser Shani, my Trumas Meiser. The reason why that doesn't work is because then you're not taking the Truma and leaving it, leaving something behind. And therefore that doesn't work. So if so, in front of you, you have two pomegranates of Tabel, of, uh, you know, Trumas and Meisers have not yet been taken. And he says, if it rains today, then this one should become Truma for the other one. But if rain does not fall today, then the other one should be Truma for the other one, right? So basically he's making his decision uh, conditional on which, if rain is going to fall or not. So what we should say is that that um, we should say is that the halacha should be that whether it rains or doesn't rain, the words don't mean anything at all. Why? Because according to you, it has to be that there's something that that the truma is going to be taken away from the other thing, right? And that's not going to happen over here. And if you would say that indeed this is the halacha of we learn in the Mishnah. See the truma from this pile of tabel, and its meiser should be from the middle of that pile. And the truma of the meiser should also be within that pile. Shimon says that indeed it is a proper job of taking the truma, right? So what we see is that at least over there, it is sufficient to define it as that there will be something within it that will be the truma. The, the, the idea is very different. The problem with the wine barrel is that you're going to be left with whatever is left at the bottom of the wine barrel. That's not taking out something and leaving behind the, the, the chulin. Over here, you define this pile of wheat. It's not a mix, right? So you define that the middle of the pile of wheat is going to be the truma. And the side right around that, that's going to be the, the truma smicer. So the external thing is all going to be the chulin. So when you but the difference is like this. The difference is, are you are you taking the truma from there, or is it? Are you defining the truma as being the middle and the sides are the are the are the chulin? That's okay. Are you defining the truma as whatever is left behind? That's going to be an issue. Another answer, right? So it's not a rare question at all anymore. It's very specific to this truma idea that the truma has to be taking the the truma has to be removed from from the other stuff. Another answer is like they said the reasoning. They said to the mayor, aren't you concerned that perhaps the mayor was the one who said that it's okay, the situation earlier, when you defined it as the truma is going to be this section of the barrel and the mice is going to be that section of the barrel, right? So when they said that, they, they said to the mayor, the Kham said to the mayor, why aren't you concerned that perhaps the, the barrel will end up bursting? And if the barrel ends up bursting, then you're in trouble because then you, you, you drank part of the barrel and now you're, you're not going to be able to take the, the Trumas and Maestros from it at all. Since you down and taking the Trumas and Maestros, it comes out that retroactively, the wine that you were drinking previously was really wine that the Trumas and Maestros were never taken from. That's Tebel. If you eat or drink Tebel, you're in deep trouble, right? So Ramir said to them, we're not concerned that perhaps it's going to break. That's a far-fetched possibility. If it breaks, then we'll deal with it. But we're not, we don't have to be concerned that perhaps it's going to break and therefore not permit you to drink it. According to that which we assumed initially, that it has to be that the, the shireha, that the, the leftovers 
are uh, the truma are leftovers that are clear that what it is that you that you take you're taking this and everything else is going to be chulin, right? Micah Amarle. Well, if that's indeed what they held, then why are they telling Rameyer, oh, well, how could you possibly permit drinking the other wine before removing the, the tithe? Maybe the barrel is going to break. That's not what they think. They really are going to Rameyer because they hold of this specific drasha that the trumas of Mises has to be taken and leaving behind the, the chulin. This is what they're saying. According to us, anyways, we need that the trumas of Mises are removed, leaving behind the chulin. But according to you, does not need that. However, why are you not concerned that perhaps the barrel will end up bursting? And if the barrel ends up bursting, and will end up coming out that he's drinking retroactively he's drinking something that's tabal, it's mixed together. So he says, yeah, if it breaks, we'll worry about it then. We don't have to be concerned beforehand that perhaps it's going to 